Hannah, how do you feel about having Jeff creep your Facebook page? You're going to have to go change <laughs> oh, your privacy man. settings. There was immediate panic. Week 13 was outstanding. So now it's all about week 14, a week that has got a lot to live up to as we welcome you to the CFL Fantasy Podcast as we look ahead into the stretch drive and look back on what was a fantasy point filled week in our Labor Day rematches. CFLfantasy.tsn.ca is the website. Get your lineup in. Season long winner still in line for $10,000. But first of all, have to give a tip of the hat to the entire the entire crew who played CFL Fantasy in Week 13 because that was a lot of fun. The triple play on Saturday was outstanding, and boy, did we have a lot of points. My name is Pat Steinberg, joined by Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever. We've got a lot to get to, but before we get to any of the fun stuff, how good was Week 13? You had the Eskimos calling out the Stampeders, and the Eskimos go and win. Duke Williams chirping the Stampeders about Grey Cup losses. Eskimos hold on to win that game. Bombers fans got trolled hard on Wikipedia, and as uh, their page got changed with Willie Jefferson now as president and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders owning the Bombers. We had, the, uh, we had one of our CFL social gurus win our triple play contest as uh, Robbie Abrams, uh, Abrahamson won. But because he's an employee, he gets disqualified. It's a lot of fun. But guys, from a football perspective and from a fantasy perspective, I don't know if it's been better than what we saw in week 13. Yeah, it's... Uh... It was amazing, and the points on the board were just incredible. I, Hannah, did you find a, a place at work to watch these games? I know I you did. were you had to work throughout the weekend. Yeah, the only one I couldn't keep my eyes 100% on because I had to do some prep was uh, the Banjo Bowl, which, you know what? Maybe it's, you're better it's off. right that I Maybe missed that off. one, I think. And I felt so confident at the end of the day. I'm checking my total. 131 points, patting myself on the back. <laughs> Feeling good about it. I go to the group. I say, let's check in on the boys. How are they doing? Let's see how far behind they are. Nope. Nope. Looks like I'm the one left behind again. Yeah. Well, while, uh, while Pat was sitting around probably in his underwear taking in that uh, that exciting triple header, uh, he was also putting up a pretty, pretty big point total. Uh, I think all three of us putting up our, our highest totals of the year so far yep. and, uh, and, and great football to be watched as well. All and, weekend. Uh, my, my weekend was 95% football between right. triple play on Saturday and the first NFL Sunday. I, I absorbed a lot of football this week. And here's the kicker. Hannah Nordman, the newest member of Ryder Nation. Is that, is that true? <laughs> Uh, if you were to look at my Twitter well, picture, that might be what you would believe. Pat? I, uh, I think that we have done an outstanding job with uh, making Hannah pay up on our bet from week number 12. Because remember, week 12 we said the lowest point total has to change their Twitter profile. I was crossing my fingers it was not going to be me. And unfortunately, I was hoping it was going to be Jeff. I won't lie. But <laughs> it, it, ended up being, it ended up being Hannah. And we have changed her profile picture on Twitter to a very interesting Photoshop job of her wearing a rider's jersey and a watermelon on her head. And what does uh, what does the watermelon say, Jeff? <laughs> watermelon says Swaggerville. <laughs> which, and homage. Which, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to hit somewhere where it hurt, and the watermelon itself was a nice touch. Um, by the way, I had to. 
find Hannah's Facebook page because we aren't Facebook friends. Ooh, uh, just awkward. to dig up an old, an, <laughs> just to dig up an old photo because the one on Twitter right now wasn't suitable. No. And so I went on her Facebook page and found the best photo I could uh, of her at a, at a Bombers game wearing a Bombers jersey. And uh, I just did a little bit of little bit of quick Photoshop work and. And uh, the Swaggerville was the last touch because I knew that one would would hit hard, and uh, it's. I, I think I think we I think we made the right choice, Pat. I know you wanted to go with a with a Las Vegas angle there, but uh, with the, with the Golden Knights angle with her being a Jets fan as well. But I, I think it was too much going on at once. I think I, I hope I get a pass for my. I think we Photoshop. did we did okay. I'm actually quite uh, I'm quite impressed with the Photoshop work, and uh, I think it'll be thoroughly and sufficiently embarrassing for hannah and and more hannah how do you feel about having jeff creep your facebook page you're gonna have to go change your privacy <laughs> oh, man. settings there was immediate panic because the last time i put a picture up was like 2012 well i think i can only see your your profile pics i think no because i hmm. well i don't know i don't know time to reset the settings i'm not anyway i'm not i'm not usually creepy like that on facebook just just when it comes to uh, just in person settling settling old scores and and uh fantasy bets yeah so you can see it for yourself up on my my twitter page one week we'll live there for a week yeah being a good sport honoring her bet (laughs) always pay up guys go take a look at H.L. Nordman, and uh, you'll see how big a Riders fan Hannah is if you go take a look at her Twitter profile right now. And by the way, if we had a bet for this week, uh, Hannah would have lost as well. I feel bad because I do feel bad. Hannah put up 131.8 and is still the lowest scoring member of our trio because uh, Jeff, congratulations. I was, I was texting Jeff throughout Saturday talking about all my guys putting up big points and I was like, sweet, I'm for sure going to win this week. I did the same thing. I went and I looked at our group. I'm like, the commissioner's got 176 points. How is this possible? Uh, and he, uh, he made some good lineup choices, including his lock of the week, the Riders D. Uh, so Craver wins the week, 176.4. Uh, second place, me, 164.7. Then Hannah at 131.8. That was a high-scoring week in CFL Fantasy. In fact, the highest-scoring week on record. Our triple play winner, uh, the official triple play winner, not one that uh, resides in our CFL offices, uh, put up 183.7 points. The name, Dream Team, lived up to the name. Uh, that took home the $1,000 prize for the triple play, so congratulations. Mike Riley was the least owned starting quarterback last week, but the people who did put him in their lineup were pretty darn happy. He put up the highest total of the year, 48.2 points. That's a new high for 2018. Right behind him, was a savvy play of Stamps running back Romar Morris. He was a late insertion into Calgary's lineup, and boy, did he pay off a $3,500 salary and 44.7 points. He won a lot of uh, days for fantasy owners for the second straight week. Jeremiah Masoli, Brandon Banks paid off as a combo. They each put up 33. Luke Tasker put up 24 with the Thai Cats as well. Also going over 30 points this week. Duke Williams of the Eskimos, Bo Levi Mitchell of the Stampeders. They were part of that wild Labor Day rematch. 90 points combined. And finally, while Romar Morris was perhaps not just the steal of week 13, but maybe the steal of 2018, there were plenty of bargains last week. Ricky Collins, Armonte Edwards, Reggie Bagleton, Daniel Peterman, Bryant Mitchell, Trey Mason, and Lamar Durant all put up huge numbers despite being under $5,000. The triple play was pretty fun. I hope we can do it again. 
It was good. That was exciting. It will be. It will be. There are there are a couple more triple headers. Of course, this week being the, another one of those down weeks where we only have three games. Um, although the podcast this week will be no less exciting, so so make sure you continue listening. But uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun uh, the football last weekend as we touched on and and uh, Pat. I don't know what you did for those three games. I ended up going to the Argos game in Hamilton in a great atmosphere uh, at BMO Field. Uh, the Thai Cats were rocking. They looked really good. Um, the Argos showed some life. I thought they played better than they did on Labor Day, but still not quite there yet. Deron Carter almost had a touchdown pass, one of the three or four offensive plays that he was actually on the field for. Um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson kind of just overshot him. But it was a great it was a great weekend, and the weather was good too, unlike the, the miserable stuff we've had in Toronto this week with the the freezing and the rain and the darkness. and. By freezing, he means... 15 degrees at the lowest <laughs> when you come and by raining he means the one day that it rained a lot it, it and rained a lot for one day it's been dark and it gets dark earlier now earlier than eight o'clock which i don't like there's these things called seasons mm. okay and i like they seasons follow a pattern <laughs> when you go from 40 degrees with humidex to 20 degrees i'm telling you that feels like you've just walked into the arctic or something it feels good doesn't feel good but you know i guess i guess you can all have your pumpkin spice lattes because you are so it's fall and i'll allow it now it is now it's not officially fall but now that it feels like fall and it's september i guess it's okay creever you are soft it's butter (laughs) i'm soft Why am I soft? Because you just called it freezing. Talking about the rain and it's freezing at 15 I'm degrees. telling you. And you know what? In, oh, in Toronto, boy. in Toronto, I don't know. I don't know if you get rain in Calgary. I don't know how that works. But in Toronto, we have an umbrella problem because people just... The umbrella is a great invention. Don't get me wrong. But it's not fail-safe. And people often don't know how to use them. So the number of times I've almost had my eyes poked out by an umbrella... Uh, and the number of delays they've caused uh, with people going through doorways and everybody has to get through the door and as soon as they get through the door they have to open their umbrella so it stops and it backs everybody up and it's just anyway i i should stop while i'm uh, should stop at this point yep that's probably be good for all of our listeners as well that was a bit much be good if you sorry good if you could <laughs> sorry <stop now. laughs> all right lead us into our lead us into our first topic here craver well on the topic of the Thai Cats, because Jeremiah Mazzoli, we've kind of talked about it all season, how he's always had the passing numbers, so many 300-yard games. Uh, the Thai Cats have been the best offense in the league as far as yardage, yet Mazzoli, going into the last couple of weeks, he actually had more interceptions than touchdowns. 7-1 to one has been his touchdown-to-interception ratio the last two weeks. So the question that I ask... Uh, and, and the question really on everyone's mind this week as the Ticats go into a matchup with uh, the number one rated defense in Calgary uh, is whether Jeremiah Mazzoli is the real deal. Is he as good as he has looked the last two weeks? Or was that a byproduct of playing an Argos defense that ranks near the bottom of the CFL? What do you guys think? Well, there's, there's two ways to look at this because it's not like he hasn't had it figured out. It was his ninth game of the year with 300 or more yards. It's it's always been insane. It's the touchdowns that are killing his his point totals. So now, with a grand total of four, 50% of his multi-touchdown games have come against Toronto. 44% of his throwing touchdowns 
this season have come in the last two games. That's, that's what I'm still worrying about. It's not that he can't run. It's not that he can't get the yards. It's the touchdowns, and I, I'm not so sure that they're going to come this week up against a defense like Calgary. It's it's one of those it's one of those topics that I think is a lot of fun to kick around because look, he went up against a Toronto Argonauts defense that is admittedly struggling right now and they've been giving up some yards through the air and Mazzoli and the Ticats in two consecutive games took full advantage of that. And so I think you do have to take that into context and make sure that you're thinking about that when you determine what Mazzoli is. But here's My opinion on Jeremiah is we're talking about a really good quarterback, one of the top-end quarterbacks, and I think the guy right now knocking on the door to enter the same conversation is Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell. I think he is multi-talented. He is able to do a lot of things on the field that most other quarterbacks in this league can't do. The Tiger Cats have really helped him turn into a true pocket passer. They're not having to design specialty plays to take advantage of his strengths. Now his strengths are just being a well-rounded quarterback. So I... I'm going to pretend like I'm Jeff Creever for a second because I'll go back a month when Creever was talking about eventually he's going to have to start punching it in. And while I do think part of it was going up against the Argos, I also think part of it here is that eventually he's starting to turn yardage into majors. It was inevitable. And so that's kind of where I am with Mazzoli. I think that this was the last three weeks, one against Edmonton, two against Toronto. I think we're starting to see him and this Ticats offense get on top of their biggest problem all year, and that has been converting yardage into six points. And, and I do think they've turned a corner in that regard. So I'm feeling more comfortable about Mazzoli than some others are right now. You guys know all well how high I am on Jeremiah Mazzoli. I love the guy. But I'm a little bit conflicted on that thought of whether he's an elite quarterback up there with Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell because... I did say knocking on the door because he's still got to prove some things, but he's getting there. Fair. And I think he has taken another step, but the thing about Mazzoli, if he's going to get there, is he will need to uh, cut down the turnovers a little bit, especially as far as timeliness goes. Because I saw some throws, the last, even the last two weeks, he only had one interception uh, that one, that one pick was nearly a very costly one in the first, the Labor Day game against the Argos. And last week there was one early in the game, uh, again in Toronto that should have been intercepted. On the other hand, though, you kind of like the aggressiveness that's there, and especially for fantasy. I mean, for fantasy, that's gold. That's what you want in your quarterback—a guy who's not afraid to sling the ball around to make any throw. And the example was the long touchdown to Brandon Banks. That was a throw that. 99 quarter 99 percent of quarterbacks at least successful quarterbacks in this league uh, probably aren't attempting he's trying to fit that in between three guys I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe the Argos couldn't knock that thing down either just get a fingertip on it but that ends up going for a long touchdown to Brandon Banks and that's Jeremiah Mazzoli you take the good with the bad you're going to get the interceptions but you're going to get a lot of really cool big explosive plays and from a fantasy perspective, I love that. Hey, Mike Riley has the same mentality. My my concern here, we were talking about it a little bit right before we started uh, the podcast here, is the price jump. He went up $1,500 from one week to the next. He's now up close to $12,000. I think he's worth it. I really do. You guys have had an issue playing Mike Riley at $2,000 more, and Mike Riley has the top... He's had the top quarterback total for six out of 13 weeks. 
Yeah, well, you're well, you're talking almost twenty five hundred more, but yeah, I, I think there's there are some there's, the savings are substantial enough that it still makes it worth it. If Mazzoli starts getting up to to thirteen, even twelve five hundred there in that range, uh, then I got to start thinking about it, and then I'm going off matchups. But uh, from week to week, now you're starting to get to the point where Mazzoli is at least as far as the floor goes, he's getting up there with Riley. Mazzoli hasn't had any of those games where he's completely ruined your week. Yeah, he hasn't like had Mike a tough one since week six. Just like Mike Riley. The only thing Mazzoli's missing now is those 40-point those weeks. He hasn't had those yet. But Mike Riley has, what, 11 rushing touchdowns? Mazzoli has two. That's the difference. Yeah. Yep. That's the difference between these two quarterbacks right now. Jeremiah Mazzoli has been red hot of late just in terms of his passing stats over the last little while. Uh, the last two games especially, almost 700 combined yards, seven touchdowns, and one interception. So does that continue against a tough Stampeders defense in Week 14? We shall wait and see. He's our first topic of conversation. Lots more to get to on the CFL Fantasy Podcast with Jeff, Hannah, and Pat. But Hannah has the latest on Week 14 from a fantasy perspective. It's time for the Fantasy Flash. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! After being released by the Baltimore Ravens, Devere Posey has officially signed with the BC Lions and is expected to suit up this week. He's available in fantasy at just over 3,800. Chris Rainey is expected back in the lineup this week in place of Trayvon Van. Rainey missed last week a coach's decision by Wally Bono. Also in BC, Travis Lule was back at practice running the Lions' first team offense. Lule left last week's win and was put through concussion protocol, but is in line to start Friday versus Montreal. In more quarterback news, after clearing concussion protocol and returning to practice on Tuesday, Zach Caleros is expected to get the start when the Riders play on Saturday night. Despite suffering a groin injury versus Toronto, Brandon Banks is still on track to play in Week 14, Coach June Jones told TSN's Matthew Shinetti. Don Jackson was back at practice for the Stampeders on Tuesday, according to Danny Austin. No word yet on who starts at running back. Romar Morris is coming off a breakout game. You should continue to monitor that situation. Tyrell Sutton was still sidelined at Alouette's practice this week. The team did get a boost with the return of William Stanback, who should be good to go Friday night. Also missing practice time is Johnny Manziel, who's apparently dealing with the flu. It was already expected that Pipkin would make his fourth consecutive start for the Owls. All right. Well, I, I, I guess I'm leading us into the topics again here, which is the second time on this on this show for me. It's um, what you do every week, Jeff. No, I usually do one, not both. You don't do the lead out of uh, last think so. week's uh, highlights? Well, Jeff, go back, go back and listen well. to the last few weeks. You even write it in the script. It says your name, Creever, <laughs> beside... Goodness, what is going on with him today, Ham- Hannah? This is, uh, this is well, a new Creever level that I don't know if I'm comfortable with. The weather's thrown him off. He's already into seasonal depression. It's, it's a tough <laughs> week for him, apparently. Act like you've been there before. Come on, Creever. <laughs> Red light, green light on Devere Posey. Because Posey, as, as Hannah mentioned in the news update, is expected to make his debut this week. Electrifying player, by the way. Loved this guy in Toronto with the Argos. Uh, a player that can stretch the field. He's one of the faster players uh, in the CFL, as we all saw uh, in last year's Grey Cup. Even in the snow, blowing right past Tommy Campbell. 
this is a player that can make a difference on a team that needs it after losing Emmanuel Arsenal. But in his first game, having not seen him yet this year, having just signed a week ago, uh, are you putting up the red light or the green light or perhaps a yellow light on Devere Posey? That's not an option. It's an option. I didn't know that we had the yellow light option. Sorry, guys. It's an option. Uh, you know what, guys? I'm going to go green light on Devere Posey uh, because I think we're talking about a motivated player. Uh, I completely agree with your scouting report on him. One of the two or three fastest players in the Canadian Football League. He was dynamic as a member of the Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. You're bang on. He had the longest play from scrimmage in Grey Cup history when he caught that touchdown in the win over the Stampeders in November. He comes to BC in a game against Montreal where I think there's going to be points. This guy is a touchdown machine. He's a red zone target. And if you're BC, you're looking for more options right now. And the number, maybe the, the, the number one reason why I think Devere Posey is a guy you want to pounce on and go full on green light right now is the price tag. Because I don't know how long you're going to be able to get a guy like that at $3,800. And when you've got $3,800 for a dynamic receiver that has the ability to put up points like that guy does, I think you've almost got to pounce on it. So I'm green light for Devere Posey. Yeah, I can't argue with that. A couple hundred dollars less and he'd be my money pick easily. Um, There's just so many things to like here. And I know he hasn't been in a game situation in a while, but it's not that he hasn't been around a football all summer. Just like Pat said, who knows how long he's going to be there. We've seen players step in mid-season at their first game of the year and be effective right off the hop. Yeah, we have. So I don't see any issue with going right for it. Well, is he going to be in your lineups this weekend? Um, Have you decided yet? I definitely don't have a solid lineup because this is one of the toughest weeks I've seen so far. Is it ever? But I'm going to say lean. I'm heavy lean towards yes. Yeah. He is right there. Like, he is in in a conversation with enough. Like, there are some very good value receivers out there, and he's one of them. Devere Posey, Williams Lambert in Saskatchewan is still a pretty good buy. Reggie Bagleton had a huge week, and he's still around $3,500, foreshadowing. So I'm I'm looking at a number of low-priced receiver options that I think could have big weeks, and I'm just trying to figure, I can't have them all. You can only, you know, a max of three receivers so I'm, I'm having a tough time because I also want a couple of big name receivers in there too so I'm having a difficult time as to who I want to put in and who I want to leave off my roster right now but definitely he's one of those guys that's in the conversation I'm very heavily leaning towards putting him in and some cheap running backs this week too it's funny we've had some weeks where all the players that you want are, are way too expensive and and this week it really seems like the opposite I'm going to Uh, throw a yellow light at you guys on on Devere Posey. I know there's probably going to be some backlash for this since I didn't include that as an option, but um, and and, and not not yellow light to be confused with speed up like some people will do on the road too. That doesn't mean, it's not just a different word for green, but go faster. Um, With Devere Posey, I just think it's early. He's only been there for this week of practice. Uh, hasn't had time to establish that much chemistry with Travis Lule and also the unpredictable nature of that BC Lions offense. Pat, you texted me over the weekend and, and with frustration uh, about Kevin Elliott. The guy didn't have a single catch last week. And I had Ricky Collins in my lineup and he goes off for over 100 yards, 10 catches, uh, a touchdown. And, and those are two guys that this season they're in they're they're, they've been inconsistent but their their productivity has sort of been up and down right so 
you don't really know who's getting the ball and at what time throwing Brian Burnham and Shaq Johnson there um it's it's a little bit unpredictable as far as where the ball's going so that's that's where I stand with it love what Posey brings to that offense though and I think the Lions have been missing that vertical uh deep ball threat um for quite a few years now really since they had Terrell Sinkfield in there at one point because you look at Manny and Brian Burnham and and they're more possession receivers I can't just rambling here but I can't help wonder what a guy like Posey might have done for Jonathan Jennings while he was still starting because Jennings was really missing that speed threat all right speaking of BC Travis Lule is healthy he passed concussion protocols so he'll be starting against the Alouettes are we still thinking of him as a starter in this week he's got just one game over the 20 point mark if there's one thing to say about him for sure it's it's value 6600 but are you brave enough to put Travis Lule in your lineup right now I'm uh I'm a little hesitant. I, I, I do think there's going to be points scored in this Friday night game between BC and Ottawa. Uh, sorry, BC and Montreal. But I, I, do, I do worry a little bit about the conservative nature of BC's offense right now. Like I, I, we just talked about Devere Posey. I really like Brian Burnham this week. But I think receivers are good bets as fantasy players. I'm just I'm not loving it from a quarterback standpoint. I don't. I, it's 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 tough to put my uh, put a finger on on why I'm so hesitant with Travis Lule right now. I just I just don't see him right now being a guy that puts up a ton of fantasy points because while they do use their receivers and they are good for red zone targets, we're not seeing a ton of yards on any given night for the BC Lions. So, you know, I think Pipkin's a more interesting potential start this week than Lule is. And because of what we've seen of late from Lule, I'm uh, now had he not gone out last week and had Jennings not come in, those point totals might have been a little bit higher. But I'm still a little hesitant on putting Lule in my lineup. But you're right. The value's there, and that is tough to ignore. You're talking about a quarterback here who's half the price of Jeremiah Mazzoli, almost half the price, a little more um, with the math there. But, uh, yeah, I, I get I get where you're coming from. There's some risk associated with that. I just Lule's looked good. He's looked really good. And he has the the past resume of being a great quarterback in this league and are you whistling over there it's a siren that was a siren i live right beside i live right beside a fire station that you just decided to start whistling during my uh <laughs> during my my spiel here um I, I like what travis lule has shown and i think now with posey being there he's got the weapons to get something done the, the thing that strikes me is Three weeks ago, we were looking at the Alouettes as the defense we have to pick on every single week. So I, I guess my question for you guys, Hannah, I'll come back at you with a question, counter question here, is are those days over? Because McLeod Bethel-Thompson had his issues against the Owls, and then Trevor Harris had his issues against the Alouettes. One of his worst games, his worst game outside of the two games against Calgary. So... Does this, does this mean you don't trust Travis Lule, or does this mean you no longer see the Alouettes as a defense we can bully anymore? Um, well, particularly on a week when we only have three games to choose from, your options are very limited. I'd call this more of a Travis Lule thing. I know that he looks good, but you need to separate Travis Lule, the quarterback, and Travis Lule, the fantasy play. Because I think you're getting confused. A guy who hasn't hit 14 points in five straight weeks is not somebody I'm trusting. 
Now, he would have, he probably would have had he not gotten hurt in the first quarter. You don't know He that. gets hurt early. He already had eight fantasy points before his injury. Sure, but how about the past four weeks before that? Yeah. No, you're right. 13.9. Oh, okay, he got 15, 12.4, well, 13.2. Like, these are not inspiring right. totals and, for a fantasy quarterback. And with a $100 difference to get Pipkin, who has never had less than 19, that's a more intriguing play. Well, okay, sample size here. But, sure. And look at the teams Pipkin's played against. He's played against some struggling teams as well, uh, especially one of those but being, being the Argos. But BC and Montreal are both teams that we picked on defensively. So I'd... I'd put them on equal footing as far as defense face this week i i'd call pipkin the more intriguing play well, the pipkin lule debate is a fun one and maybe this could have been our topic for great debate this week but uh, the thing i will give you guys about pipkin is he can have a terrible day throwing the football and still give you 15 fantasy points just on running alone so that's that that is what i like about pipkin yeah yeah, it's and and as for the Alouettes defense, I do think that they have come around a little bit. I do think that we've seen a little bit more from you know Tommy Campbell's been a little bit more of a factor of late, and they, they just seem like a little bit of a more cohesive unit. I still don't look at them as a defense you want to avoid, but I don't know if right now the the, the defense that I'm picking on is Toronto, and and I don't Montreal isn't quite in that same category for me, but. I still think that this matchup between BC and Montreal has the potential to have some points scored. Yeah, and and there's a lot of value in it too because these are two teams that have struggled. Before we move on from this matchup, let's just take a look at one of them. Uh, BJ Cunningham has solidified himself as one of the most reliable fantasy players on Montreal. He's got double digits in three straight weeks before the buy. Um, So buy or sell on BJ Cunningham at just $5,000. Well, I'm a buy, and B.J. Cunningham, I will say, as I've said in the past, is one of my favorite receivers in the CFL as far as his ability and, and the things that, that uh, he can do. It's just been stability at the quarterback position that's hurt him, I think. I think that's been a big issue for him in the past. And Antonio Pipkin seems to look at him as a number one receiver. You look at the last three games, uh, Cunningham, I believe, has been five or more receptions now in three straight games. Uh, he has clearly been that go-to guy on offense. And with him getting the ball in his hands, uh, he gets open, he gets separation, he makes yards after the catch, and he also makes the crazy highlight reel catches even when the ball's a little bit off. So, yeah, I'm on Pipkin this week. Uh, I don't know if he'll be in my lineup. It just depends on how the money works and, and who I go with at quarterback and all of those factors. I usually go into each week with about six or seven or eight receivers that I do like, and it just depends on how... You know, whether I need cap relief elsewhere or how things end up shaking down. But yeah, Cunningham would be one of those guys on my list this week that I like. Yeah, throw him into that list of guys and I'm having a tough time figuring out who I want in and who I'm going to leave off because I, if I could, I'd have them all in. I, I really like the way that Cunningham has come, come on of late. Uh, we've seen him put together some really, last three weeks, he's up over 100 yards receiving. He's been reliable. He's still a pretty good buy, just over $5,000, like $5,100 for a guy that, you know, you're, you're pretty happy uh, saying and pretty confident saying can get in the 90 to 100 point range and maybe reel in a touchdown each game Uh, and I think he's really come on in the three games since Pipkin has arrived at quarterback and I think that 
the, the young quarterback in Montreal has done a good job of identifying Cunningham's athleticism and identifying that this is a guy that you want to keep involved and use as a primary target. So, yeah, I'm definitely buy with Cunningham. It's just that I don't know if I'm going to buy because there's so many other guys that I'm uh, certainly in that same category for. Well, here's a guy who you can buy for a very high price tag. As I started putting together my first draft, it was a pretty rude awakening seeing Brandon Banks' price jump $2,000. Last week he was like 8500 Now he's 10500 Nearly $3,000 more expensive than the next highest price receiver playing this week. So how expensive is too expensive? Is Brandon Banks a guy you're looking at this year at more than ten thousand dollars? This is this is the part of the podcast where I unnecessarily tell Hannah to add fun sound effects and and create more work for her because that's where you put sirens in, or the or just uh, if they could roll by Pat's place again, that w- that would also work. Um, yeah, for me that 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 one sets off alarms. It, Brandon Banks is an exceptional player, uh, as was Andrew Harris when we had this debate, a very similar debate uh, so many weeks ago. Anytime a guy starts to to creep over that $10,000 mark, you're talking about unbelievable production that he has to put up to make it worth it. So Banks now, who's coming off a pulled groin, not not a pulled groin, but whatever the injury is, some sort of groin injury that he had that sidelined him. Um, during the Argos game last week. Apparently he's fine. He's going to play. But I just wonder as a speed guy if that's going to impact him. Uh, And also, this is a player that has, as consistent as he's been, uh, when he's not putting up those 25 to 30 point weeks, uh, he's had a couple of duds. In fact, he was he was one of my go-to guys on my 45 point week. Thank you, Mr. Brandon Banks. Mm -hmm. Not to hold any grudges. So, for me, I'm still I'm a little wary of that, and I think there are better options at that price. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the boomer bust on Banks. I'm with you because three weeks ago, he was my lock of the week, and I think he put up three points. And then the two weeks subsequently, he's gone right off. I've had him in my lineup, luckily, but uh, the one week I had him as my lock of the week, he didn't really make me look all that smart. Last two weeks, he's looked really, really good. I think I think ten five is too expensive at this point. The matchup, while I do think Calgary's defense, with some of the injuries they've got right now, is maybe a little less formidable or a little less terrifying than it's been. It's still not what you would call a great matchup for a lot of points, and so when you couple who the Ticats are playing and how much Banks is worth, I think there are better buys on the Hamilton side of things. And, you know, I look at some other good value picks there. You know, Luke Tasker jumps off the board for me, for instance, whereas Brandon Banks at 10-5, yeah, it's a little too rich for my blood. If not Brandon Banks, because I think all three of us are in the same boat here, um, then who? You mentioned Luke Tasker. He's he's a little more manageable as far as salary goes. Uh, Terrence Tolliver's been kind of quiet, but he's there. Um, you have Mike Jones, you have uh, Rashad, Rashad Lawrence uh, is the other receiver they've started. And now this week, uh, not sure if they're going to play, but Chad Owens and Marquay McDaniel also in the equation. Is there anyone else uh, on that, that receiving corps, especially against a defense like Calgary? Pat, you said they might be a little bit vulner- vulnerable, uh, more so than usual. Uh, anyone else that jumps out to you guys? I'm, I'm a little... 
I don't know where Marquay McDaniel's fantasy value is going to lie because it, it seems like he would be the perfect fit to be kind of that possession, short yardage, move the chains type of receiver in the slot. And I don't know how much how much you know value there's going to be in that. Now, if they use him in that same vein when they're inside the twenty, then all of a sudden he becomes a little bit more of an. But I, I'm not looking right off the hop at Markway McDaniel with a ton of fantasy value. Tolliver's the guy for me because he does have the, the big playability, but right now, I do think with Jalen Saunders being injured, I think it's kind of turned into a three-headed monster. One of them's at running back and Alex Green. We talk about price hikes there. There's another one. Uh, and then it's Brandon Banks and Luke Tasker at receiver. Like, I think those are your three primary weapons for the Tiger Cats offense right now. And anybody else, is, I, I think it's kind of be a rotation as to who might be that next guy because you do have such tried and true options in Green, Tasker, and Banks. And, you know, Green expensive, Banks expensive, Tasker a little bit more manageable. But yeah, I, I, do, I don't know if there is that, that next guy that is really easy to identify for the Ticats. Yeah, once those guys get fed, I don't think there's a whole lot left to go around. So I'm, I'm looking most closely at Luke Tasker just because of the price. I think we all kind of agree that once a player outside of the quarterback goes above $10,000, kind of gets a bit too rich for our blood. And usually that, uh, that salary ends up coming down at some point too. History would, history would indicate if we, look at, if we look at Andrew Harris's yeah. direction. So if you get him at that price, you're usually losing. Yeah, they can jump up quickly, but they can also slide back down to a more manageable spot pretty quickly too. Another guy who's been stringing together some big weeks is Devaris Daniels. Basically put up 20-plus points in four straight weeks. Um, The last time these two teams met was week one, and these are, I would say, very different teams than they look like in week one. Um, So how do we feel about Daniels' chances up against that Ticats secondary? That's Pat's guy. Well, that's Pat's guy, Devars Daniels, every week. And I, it's tough. I, I'm, I'm debating as to whether or not I should put him in again this week. He is the unquestioned number one receiver, I think, right now in Calgary. And while Reggie Begleton stepped in and filled Kamar Jordan's void very, very well, and I think we'll get his fair share of targets going forward, I still think the biggest big play receiver, the number one big play receiver in Calgary remains Daniels. Uh, he was my lock of the week last week and would have looked had a great week, would have been even better had he not dropped that pass in the end zone, which could have swung momentum in a big way in that wild game with the Stamps and the Eskimos. So I still think Daniels is a good play each and every week. Now, this is one of those weeks where maybe his value drops a little bit only because of the matchup he's taking on. Hamilton has the number one pass defense in the Canadian Football League, and not to say that he's not going to get his targets, not to say that he might not have a good game, but I don't know if he's going to have as explosive a game against Hamilton than he would have against some other opponents. So, do I like Devaris Daniels? Yeah, he's kind of turning into an every week I like Devaris Daniels type of guy. But if you've got other guys that you are putting in the same category as him and you like their matchups better, this might be a week where you shy a little more away from Daniels. See, I, I think I'm jumping on this game and I'm trying to get Ticats and Stamps in my lineup. While these are uh, two of the best defenses in the CFL, they're also two of the hottest offenses. And I think there are going to be a lot of points in this game. I really do. So I don't know if I don't know if Daniels is in my lineup. If Daniels isn't in my lineup, uh, Reggie Bagleton will be. 
And if Brandon Banks is in my lineup, which he probably won't be, uh, I can assure you Luke Tasker will be. I want players in this game, uh, especially receivers uh, in my lineup and, and probably a Stamps running back as well. So uh, D- Daniels in particular, I think he should get an opportunity uh, against uh, against the Ticats secondary as stingy as it's been. Uh, he's been Bo's number one target. Uh, and he's he's certainly going to be motivated. He had a bad drop in the end zone last week that he's going to want to make up for. Uh, and this is his opportunity to sort of come out of the shadows and be a true number one receiver. So I think it continues this week. And I, I'm I'm really looking forward to that matchup being a high-scoring game. All right, this is the part where I have to give Jeff some credit, and I don't want to. You had the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense as your lock of the week. And look at that. They put up 25 points. Picks galore. You you pick them as the lock of your week right after. The week after, I tell people they got to get them in. I just picked the wrong week. You were on to something. Week. I agreed with you at the time. So we're doing another fill in the blank. The yeah. Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense is blank. What are we saying? Pat, you got something? Yep. It's pretty easy right now. Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense is dominant. Chris Jones is a defensive guru. We've known that forever, and we knew that this was going to be a formidable group right from the get-go. And while the offense had their struggles in the early going of the season, it didn't allow the defense to show their true potential. Even still, they were one of the best defensive units in the CFL. But now is Zach Caleros and Trey Mason and Jordan Williams-Lambert and Eamon Roosevelt, and, and, and as this offensive group starts to get a little bit more into a groove, it's putting this defensive unit in a much, much better situation to succeed. And you go take a look at the sack numbers for Charleston Hughes and... Willie Jefferson might be the most terrifying athlete in the CFL right now in terms of what he's able to do. Like, we're talking about this guy returning interceptions 95 yards and not being caught. He's a defensive lineman. Yes, I know he's a rush end, but still, you're not supposed to be able to do that at his size and his strength. And he has he a one-of-a-kind talent in this league. So uh, what, what they're able to do defensively, they're, they're starting to really come into their own in all three facets defensively in all three layers. We've known they've been able to do all year long in the front four, but it's really starting to trickle down into the linebackers and defensive backfield. Right now, they're dominant, and with the injuries that Calgary has on, on their defensive side of the ball, right now, Hamilton, uh, sorry, not Hamilton, Saskatchewan has crept up, and, and you, you kind of almost have to say they are the best defense in the CFL. Maybe not statistically yet, but what they're doing right now, it is terrifying. So I use the word dominant. You literally could have said any word in the world or any collection of words uh, to describe their defense. And you went with dominant? Let's hear, you, let's hear your word. Not exciting. He is in a mood today, Pat. Yep. Okay, okay, Mr. Wordsmith. What word would you like to use? The, well, I, I didn't mean to bring attention to myself. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense is the stuff made of nightmares. It is terrifying. This is the defense that, if all you do is think about football, you dream about it at night and just get chills and you sweat in your bed and you wake up with a look of terror on your face and you can't fall back asleep. That defense is phenomenal. And there's, it, it's, it really is a dream situation for Chris Jones. Getting Charleston Hughes there with that combo with Pat, as you nailed it with Willie Jefferson, having those two guys 
I don't know if I've ever seen a rush and combo that dominant. And yes, I said dominant. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even pick up on that. (laughs) The Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense can just do so many things. And here's the kicker. They rush three guys most of the time. That gives Chris Jones a million options as far as what he wants to do. Give him a lot of athletes running around at linebacker. Uh, Sam McGuavin is a freak at linebacker. Um, give him a lot of ath- a lot of athletes in the secondary. Matt Elam, a former first-round NFL draft pick. Lucius Purifoy, who somehow Chris Jones was able to sign in the middle of the season off the scrap heap. He was released by the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, you've got a Wiley Vet in there and Javon Johnson, Cresden Butler, older guys that they're giving rest. That defense is so scary, and they're on pace to break records for defensive touchdowns. I think at this point, at $6,000, that defense can give you such an edge. And when we talk about defenses, here's, here's the debate. Here's where the debate comes in, because you guys haven't been picking defenses. But when we talk about defenses, it's not whether a defense can give you the same production as another player. It's whether a defense can give you enough production to give you an advantage of having a seventh roster spot because if i'm if i'm rostering seven spots every week compared to your six is my defense giving me three points because then i'm wasting my money Mm -hmm. but is my defense giving me enough to give me a profound advantage of having seven players versus your six and if you can answer that question and say with 100 percent certainty that that's going to happen then six thousand dollars is more is worth more than just the points that you're getting. Yeah, it it just, I get that you have to pay for your studs, and the words I used were the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense is a fantasy stud. Eight defensive touchdowns, five weeks so far with double digits, but I feel like the floor for defenses is still too low to justify dropping six grand on them. They had a pick six in week two against Ottawa, how many points did that defense get you that week? Even with a pick six. Did you have? I I'm not sure. You had Four them, points. didn't you? Yeah, that hurts. Four points. It hurts. So that's my concern. I know there's two sides to it. Um, I just know whenever I pick defenses, that is their dead week. I have yet to nail one here where you have a productive week when I play a defense. I mean, I guess I guess in that boomer bust scenario, you're – if you're going for that high score, especially on a triple play weekend, I, I guess you want to have the defense in your lineup. Because if you're going to have uh, a better lineup than everyone else, your best odds are to find the defense that's going to get you 20 points. Because yeah. that's a pretty big edge to have. In that scenario, I would say so. Uh, I think there's just one week so far. Yeah, just week 12 where no defenses made it to double digit points, but four of them got nine. So you could live with that if it's cheap yeah, enough. You could if I'm paying six thousand, I don't want nine points for my defense. Forget no. that. No, no, no. That's like a, a thirty two hundred dollar defense kind of deal, and you get nine points out of it. Then you're then you're pleased with. For the record, um, I thought that the fill in the blanks was one word. I go. didn't think that I could put an entire sentence in there. So that's uh, my bad. Yours, your fill in the blank was was far more exciting than mine. Jeff's just going to get in the mood. He had like a 12-word answer. They are no, the no, 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 no. It was haunts your I just added more to my, yeah. I just explained my blank. Uh, it was a short sentence. Okay. The stuff made of nightmares, sure. which isn't even, that doesn't even make me a wordsmith at all. It's just, 
at least somewhat creative. All right. I think because of the three game week, we're going to make it to the end of our topics for the first time in a while. And it's about Ottawa. We're sticking with the Saskatchewan game. And if their defense is as scary as nightmares, do you consider (laughs) playing anyone on Ottawa this week? Nightmares are pretty scary. They are scary. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And especially at the prices. The one guy I would consider is probably probably Greg Ellingson. Right, what do you guys think? Uh, he would be the guy for me, but it's it's so difficult to justify with some of the other names that are out there and for some of the prices that you can get them. When you're considering Saskatchewan is averaging 87 yards against on the ground per game. They're the number three team against the pass. Like we're, we're talking about uh, a team, and especially with what they've done in recent games where the statistics don't even tell the full story. Uh, it just... Yes, if there was one guy, it would be Ellingson, but I think there are better options on other teams and in other matchups instead of Ellingson that I'd be more interested in getting in my lineup. So I, the answer to that for me would be a pretty simple no. I'm just staying away from Red Blacks this week. Yeah, I don't currently have any in my lineup. Um, I may fit one or two Rough Riders players, but not looking too closely at that game at all. The, the Friday game really interests me, and the, the Stampeders-Ticats game really interests me as well. Yeah, I look back to when those two teams played Sask and Ottawa earlier in the season, and that was the game that Deontay Spencer went off. But that's, that's a different Riders team now. That's a different Riders defense. That was Deron Carter starting a corner. It's, things have changed there. And right now they're playing their best, their best football of the year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with you guys there. I'm... I'm kind of leaning towards staying away from Ottawa Red Blacks. If there is one guy, it might be Spencer because they need to make him a target and get him the ball uh, quite a bit to sort of offset the pressure uh, from the big guys up front. It's been six weeks since Jerome Messam was released. It's been kind of a power struggle between Trey Mason and Marcus Thigpen. Uh, but it's kind of seemed dangerous to take one or the other because they keep switching. In saying that, though... Has Trey Mason finally announced himself? Has he arrived after his 15-point performance last week? Go ahead, Jeff. Well, you know, I, I was more curious to hear Pat's response to this. And both of you, both of you, Pat and Hannah, have sort of been up and down on, on Trey Mason this year. Um, last week was the first week in a while. I didn't have him, in, have him in my lineup, and he had his first 100-yard rushing game. So, yeah, I think Trey Mason has finally arrived, and, and he's, a, he's a player that I've always been very high on this season as far as his talent. And he's finally kind of stepping into that uh, every-down role. Marcus Thigpen is, as I would have imagined, more of the change-of-pace guy, the Chris Rainey-style running back. And I think... I think Trey Mason is going to get the ball a lot. And his his salary right now, it's very manageable. Uh, he's going against a Red Blacks team that the Riders could, could have the lead against quite a bit. Uh, Trey Mason could get the ball a lot. I just want to see him do it for a little while longer. But what gives me some confidence that that's going to happen is that I think that the week that he had last week against Winnipeg has kind of cemented him as the guy. I don't really see that offense going away from Mason as the feature back at this point. I think he's announced himself as the most reliable. And while Thigpen is a nice change of pace guy and a nice guy to use in the red zone, I still think you're going to see a steady diet of Mason. And I believe that what he's done the last couple of weeks 
has kind of cemented him as as the guy down the stretch. So I've got Mason in my lineup this week, and while I do want to see him do it a little while longer, I am confident that he's going to do it a while longer. So yeah, at, at his price tag right now, if you're talking about a starting running back at forty one eighty six, so just under forty two hundred dollars for Mason, we've been talking about value all podcast long, and I think Mason gives you a lot of value right now. So I do I do think he's arrived, and um, that is probably music to Creever's ears. He's in my first draft of my lineup, and that's partly because I think he's going to do some good things, but partly because I'm finding it very hard to find value at running back right now. Uh, It seems like the guys who have solidified themselves as number ones are now quite expensive. So you kind of need somebody like Trey Mason to balance out that running back position. The highest value running back last week was Romar Morris. He had a massive game. But Don Jackson back at practice for the Stampeders on Tuesday. Do we know who's starting? How do you manage this? Are you going to have to monitor up until the very end? Because he doesn't play until Saturday. And if you're waiting until then, there is a possibility that you back yourself into a corner once one or the other is announced. How do you guys handle this situation this week? It's a strange one because with the Stampeders going on to a bye after week 14 and with Jackson being a little banged up, you wonder, okay, so what is the best way to go about this from a Stampeder standpoint? Do you put Jackson back in there? I think I think Jackson wants to play. I think that he wants to get back in there. He saw what Morris did last week. I think he wants to get in there. But is that the best thing for the Stampeders? Because if you can get him an extra week of rest and you can have another productive game from Morris, and obviously he was more than just productive against Edmonton, then you're pretty all right with it. My, my best advice would be, because Jackson did take first-team reps at Tuesday's practice, my best advice would be if you are looking at putting Don Jackson in your lineup this week and you like where the Stampeders are in their running game, then put Don Jackson in and just make sure that you're monitoring. Because if Jackson can't go, then Morris comes in. It's a little riskier if you really want to put Morris in and you take a look at that price tag and you say, yeah, I want to get him in because he's good value. That's where it gets risky. That would be maybe where I uh, would shy away a little bit. I I guess the the best tactic to take, Creever, would be if you're gonna take if you're gonna take Morris because you like the value, it's not all that much more expensive for Jackson, who comes in at about sixty seven hundred dollars this, sixty five hundred dollars this week. So it, it kind of comes down to: Are you okay with starting a Stampeders running back this week? It's a good matchup. The Ticats give up a lot on the ground, among the top, uh, well, the worst ranked teams in the league as far as average yards per carry and. Wilder, even though he's burned me the last couple of weeks, still had a decent average, especially uh, in the rematch last week. So, yeah, I'm going to take that. Uh, I'm going to take that advice from the guy on the scene in Calgary, and I'm going to have Don Jackson uh, in pencil. And if anything happens there with with Romar Morris uh, and Don Jackson, then I'll be ready to make the switch. Just make sure make sure you don't get stuck with with the one that's not playing because. Uh, it seems to happen from week to week uh, with, with with quite a few people with them on the rosters. And, and uh, hey, with this game, you, you've got to be a little bit extra diligent. Well, we've made it to the Great Debate, which, Jeff, you are hosting today. The Great Debate. That was epic. That was good. That went better than I could have imagined. I'll throw some echo on that for you. You can do that? I don't. We'll see. Okay, I can't wait. And uh, don't forget the sirens we mentioned earlier. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'm on it. Um, (laughs) The great debate. 
We've got Devere Posey making his debut for the BC Lions, and we've got Duran Carter, who is on a bye this week, but is going to most likely start uh, when the Argos come off the bye against the Riders. Which receiver are you more excited to get into your lineup from a fantasy perspective? Both are around the same price. Carter coming in uh, at last check at around $3,777. Uh, with Posey being slightly over 3,800. Pat and Hannah, you're both taking sides. Uh, what side do each of you have? I'm going to go with Carter. So that means that Hannah's going with Devere Posey. So yep. uh, it's, all, it's all about the coin flip. Because look, it, let me preface my side of it with I like them both. But I'm going to go with Deron Carter. So, uh, so flip the coin, and then we'll we'll see who ends up getting first first crack at this. I'm going to flip this coin here, and uh, you call it in the air. Heads all day. It's heads. Okay. Almost dropped it. I will definitely go first. All right. All right. I've got my stopwatch, and I am ready to rock and roll in three, two, and one. Look, Deron Carter is an absolute freak of an athlete and when you have got a player with that type of ability going to a new situation I think you have to exploit him because Toronto knows how much of a freak of an athlete he is Toronto knows how much he can impact their offense and the Argos are going to want to make sure that they establish him and really you put Carter with SJ Green those are two of the most physical receivers in the CFL I think you've got a great one-two punch I am jacked to see Carter in blue ding 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 nailed it and in the other corner, we have Hannah Nordman, who's going to argue in favor of Devere Posey, who right. is starting this week. Should you have Devere Posey in your lineup, Hannah is excited about that idea. And I'll let you take it when you're ready. I've got my timer. I'm ready to go. I green light this guy on our first topic of the day for good reason. You're telling me that I can have last year's Grey Cup MVP starting in the absence left by Manny Arsenault up against... I wouldn't call them hot. Maybe lukewarm Alouette's defense for only 3,800. This is something that I can't pass up. He is very much on my short list of players coming in this week. And I think that everyone should be getting Devere Posey in their lineup right now. Hmm. Well, you know what? I, 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 I'm, I'm taking Pat on this one. <sighs> it's hard for me to say it. I know I don't like it when Pat wins. Has this ever happened? I don't like it when Pat wins. Pat and I have a little rivalry going on. Um, yeah, I just thought that the argument was more convincing in favor of Deron Carter. Uh, I'm looking forward to both making their debuts. And uh, again, the price is, is right for both of those mm. players, Devere Posey and Deron Carter. So, uh, and, I'm and I think, Yeah, well, there you go. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts, Pat, because it may not happen again. That leads us to our three-minute warning, so we can wrap up. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. And head out of here. We're going to start with our money picks. I think we all had trouble with both our money picks and locks of the week. But, uh, Jeff, who do you have slotted into your money pick for week 14? There wasn't a lot of choice here. I'm going to go with R.J. Harris of the Ottawa Red Blacks. He's cooled off substantially the last few weeks but we've seen the potential that he has the Ottawa Red Blacks offense has to get back on track immediately and against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders it's a tough matchup but I think Harris with the attention going to Greg Ellingson Brad Sinopoli Deontay Spencer Harris could see some opportunities come his way athletic receiver got some chemistry with Trevor Harris I'm expecting a game for him 
I'm going to go with the guy who I, I believe he was your money pick last week, Jeff. And if he was, he was pretty darn effective. Reggie Bagleton stepped into the void left by Kamar Jordan in Calgary in a very impressive way. Over 150 yards, and I think Bagleton is going to be an absolute target machine because he is playing in that possession slot spot that Kamar Jordan occupied because Bo Levi Mitchell likes throwing the ball to him because he's a dynamic athlete. I think Reggie Bagleton at 35 13 is criminally underpriced right now, knowing the amount of targets that he's going to get. He's not leaving that slot position as it stands right now, especially with the week he had last week. So at 35-13, I've got Reggie Bagleton as my money pick this week. All right. My money pick is uh, Kyron Moore. He followed up his explosive debut with an eight-ish point on course. So he's worth a look at just $2,500 if you are getting real tight down in that flex position. Moving on to our lock of the week, which we all debated pretty heavily today. Um, It's getting harder and harder, especially in a three-game week. So, Pat, tell me who your lock of the week is this week. This was so difficult, and I I, I thought I had one. I scratched it out. I thought I had another one, and now I have finally settled on it. This might be a first for the lock of the week, but I'm going with two people, but it goes back to our conversation about the Stampeders running backs because... Right now, let's just assume Don Jackson is starting. Don Jackson's my lock of the week because I do think the Stamps will put up big yards at their feature back this week. So if it's Don Jackson or if it's Romar Morris, one of those two guys, whoever is the lock, whoever is the feature back, whoever is your starting running back in Calgary this week, that's my lock of the week. As it stands right now, I think it's probably 75% sure it's going to be Don Jackson. So I'll go Jackson as my lock of the week with the caveat that if he doesn't go, Romar Morris, after the week he had against Edmonton, is a pretty good play too. I literally had that written on my lineup and I scratched it out, whoever the starting running back is for Calgary. That I'm on the same wavelength there, but he's not my lock of the week right now. My lock of the week is Jeremiah Mazzoli, and I still like the Ticats this week, um, even though they've got a what you would consider a tough, tough Stampeders opponent uh, with them being the top-ranked defense. They're a little bit injured right now, and I think the Ticats, they're not going to win this game by trying to run it down the Stamps' throats. You still can't run on that Stampeders defense. We saw it the last two weeks with the Eskimos. We've seen it all year. Jeremiah Mazzoli has to get it done, and he's going to throw it a lot to Luke Tasker, to Brandon Banks, to Terrence Tolliver, and to his running back, uh, Alex Green, who's, who's going to have to try and, and get, something, get something done through the air. So I like Mazzoli. Get him running around and, and put up some points. All right. We're all sticking with that early Saturday game, but I'm going to stay on Jeff's side of the ball. Ball. Jeff's side of the ball. With uh, Luke Tasker, again, I know it's against the Stamps, but touchdowns in three consecutive weeks. In the past three weeks alone, 390 yards. This guy's rolling. I expect more big things and a pretty good value from him as well. So Luke Tasker is in my lineup this week. Good stuff, guys. Just three games on the docket in Week 14. Week 13 was outstanding, and in terms of fantasy football, it was off the charts in terms of the points scored. Might be a little tougher to have that happen this week, but doesn't mean there won't be some good action on the field. Make sure that you get your lineups in right now, cflfantasy.tsn.ca. So get your lineup set, first game on Friday. Uh, You can also go make your picks. Only three picks to make on CFL Total Pick'em. That also is a good way to win some extra 
extra cash. And don't forget to check out The Waggle with Davis and James each and every week. Uh, on Twitter, Hannah Nordman's at HL Nordman. Jeff Creever's at Jeff Creever. I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. Enjoy Week 14. Enjoy the stretch drive in the CFL season. And we'll talk to you with the Week 15 edition in one week's time. It's been another edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Enjoy the week. Thank you.